Numbers chapter 13 begins on a very pivotal part of Israel history. God has delivered the children of Israel from the hand of him that was mightier, Pharaoh. He sent plagues, separated waters for them. They're now across the other side and they're going to the land of Canaan, which God has promised them that that land shall flow with milk and honey. So, God tells Moses to send men to search the land which has been given them by their fathers. And so these men go to search the land. When they go to search the land, in verses 27, the Bible says they came back and brought back news to Moses and told him and said, we came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely the land floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover we saw the children of Enoch there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And the Bible says Caleb steals the people. He told them, come down. And the Bible says, he said, let us go up once and possess it for we are able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search, it is a land that eateth the inhabitants thereof. Praise God. It eateth the inhabitants thereof. And the Bible says, And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Enoch, which came of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. Somebody shout hallelujah. In the 14th verse, the Bible says, And all the congregation cried and lifted up their voice. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and said unto them, did God intend that we die in Egypt or we die in this land? Praise God. In the wilderness. And wherefore has God brought us up into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Why, why it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let us return unto what? Egypt. Wow. Wow. These people, God has given them the land and he's told them this is for you to possess. No doubt about that. 
And when he gives them that land of possession, he warns them though. Right? And tells them to be strong. God gives them a very fundamental principle of every promise. Otherwise, there is no reason why God would have sent spies into a land he has already given Israel, sorry, except that there was something he was trying to establish in Israel for their sake. The promise was clear that they were going to a land that was flowing with milk and honey. That was undoubted, okay? But then the ultimate question was, why then does God send spies into a land he has given? Are you following me? Why? Simple. Because God wanted to test man and approve himself a certain attitude and mindset before men would enter the promise. That means God will promise and has promised us, right? You're going to do this. You're more than a conqueror. You'll have this and you'll have that. But to get there, there is a certain attitude that God desires of any man that should inherit or partake of the promise that God has spoken upon us. Are you following what I'm saying? It's an attitude. The first group goes there. They were spies. They see everything. And they come back with an evil report. They see everything that was not able to give them victory. They see every reason why they could not take over Canaan. The Bible says they saw giants. The descendants of Enoch. You remember that giant group of guys like I've spoken of in the generations before? Huge, ginormous fellows. Big, and their statures was big. And the Bible says they had walls over the city. They were walled in. They looked at the military might. They looked at the physical stature of these fellows. And then they feared. And interestingly, on the 33rd verse, Numbers 13, the, 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 the Bible says something very powerful. They said, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. We were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. Did you hear that? We, were, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And so in their sight, they also saw us as grasshoppers. People see you as you see yourself. Somebody shout hallelujah. People see you as you see yourself. If you think you're dumb, people will look at you dumb. If you think you're weak, that's the sight you give to men who behold you. It is so powerful to know that you cast a vision of men on, about yourself because of what you think about yourself. Can I say that again? Every thought that you have of yourself, you cast a vision of men to see of yourself. Did you hear what I just said? The Bible says we were in our own sight. Our own sight. We were as grasshoppers. And so were we in their sight. That means these people did not look at the spies as grasshoppers. No. These people looked at themselves as grasshoppers. And when they looked at themselves as grasshoppers, the people, these giants in the land, the sons of Enoch, saw them as grasshoppers. If you're going for an interview and you say, uh, but everyone has qualification, me I don't, but I'm, they're going there by faith. 
You're going to enter and in the room you're going to leave the atmosphere of this fellow does not have enough. Even before they ask you, you've released the energy in the spirit. You've released the attitude in the spirit that you're not able. You've released the aura in the spirit. You've released the smell of a failed fellow. You know, the Bible says that we are the server. We are, he makes manifest by us his knowledge, like a, like a sweet smelling scent. When we are preaching the gospel, we release a certain smell, that divine good thing that draws men and attracts men to the kingdom. When they hear us preaching, they want to be everything that we are. He says that, for now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph and he makes manifest the server of his knowledge by us in every place. Every time knowledge is released, are you hearing me? You're releasing a sweet smelling perfume. Every time you're releasing revelation, the spirits of men are smelling something beautiful. The souls of men are smelling life because they are dead and rotten within. Man is desperately wicked and they are of the fallen state and nature. Indeed, to God, they are like dead beings. Are you hearing me? So when we give the gospel, it becomes a sweet smelling server. Men smell you and they say, hmm, it's good to receive his God. That is why I've seen this about four times in my life where the anointing of God hits a room and a cloud comes into that room and that cloud comes with a certain scent. It's like a perfume and it's not on an individual but it's in the whole room. Why you, it even gets so tangible that the physical nose can smell the perfume. One time it happened in a very small church somewhere in Kawempe. We could all smell it. You could think somebody had sprayed themselves. No, but there was something and the, the glory of God had filled that room so there's something about knowledge. There's something about knowledge. There's something about knowledge. When you get to know God a certain way, you emit a certain sorrow. And that is the thing that draws men. Like, it just draws men. It just draws men to the kingdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. So it's the same thing I'm trying to give you here. That if you think in your head that you're small, depend, it doesn't matter who you stand before, you will be small. Why? Because men see in their sight what you see of yourself in your sight. Did you hear that? Men see in your sight what you see of yourself in your sight. We were, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers and so were we in their sight. Somebody shout hallelujah. I saw myself as an underdog and so was I in his sight, an underdog. I saw myself as a weakling and so was I in his sight as a weakling. You see yourself as a loser and so are you in the sight of those who behold you. Tell your neighbor, release the right vibes. Emit the right atmosphere. Have the godly attitude. Yes, that's the attitude. That's the attitude. Wherever you go, you must know that you're great. Wherever you go, you must think big about yourself regardless of how much qualification you have. Why? Because the sufficiency is not of us as of to think of anything by us. But the Bible says this is the sufficiencies of God which has made us able ministers of the covenant. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
I, when I think of those things, I wonder how a Christian can fail. Some of you surprise me when you fail. I get so shocked. I'm like, what? How can you fail? You can't fail. When I understood this reality, I never knocked on any door and it never opened to me. Back in the day when I was doing career, in fact, I never looked for jobs. Jobs looked for me. Up to now, they still look for me. Deals look for me. I don't look for deals. Businesses look for me. They find me on my table. I don't go out searching for deals. But they always come. And I execute them and their success. Why? Because I know who I am in God. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm a solution giver. I am, I'm, I'm just disembodiment of answers. When men come to me, whoa, I have solutions. Say it on yourself. Praise God. Now, the children of God lifted up their voices and started weeping the whole night. The fellows weeping are people who saw plagues eat up men. The fellows weeping are people who saw God literally separate waters and they walked on dry ground. Recently, scientists have gone back to the very place in biblical history where it is suggested. It was discovered this year where it was suggested that the waters parted. And guess what? They have already exhumed more than 500 bodies of horsemen and their chariots of the Egyptian fleet. And their bones match the exact measurements of the supposed bones of the men that died in that water. Thousands of years later, they've gone under sea and they've found the Egyptian army that was drowned. Banange. God is amazing. Nobody can doubt that men were killed in the sea. And scientists tell you it was evident that these are men water fell onto. They didn't just drown into, no, water just fell onto and consumed them. And many of them could not come back to the top. They died like that. And that is the thing that is now bringing shocking waves to people to realize that actually the Bible, when it says God buried them, he really buried them. He's not a joking fellow. Now, the story tells us these same people to whom God had given a promise, they see men of big stature. They see everything funny in Canaan. They see the walls. They see this and see men strong. And they say, oh God, we are dead. And then guess what? They say, you know what? Did God bring us in the wilderness to die? It was better for us to stay in bondage because they still don't understand the price of freedom. And look at normal, typical people who don't know God a certain way. They say, can we get ourselves a captain such that we can find our way back into Egypt? At least we were slaves with a hope. At least our masters gave us food. Remember melons, cucumber, leeks, onions, pork. You understand? You understand? Now, they're saying at least you take us back to what? To Egypt. They are ready to go back into the bondage that they have had for hundreds of years. Because something is shaking and threatening their destiny. Yet they're in the perfect will of God concerning their lives. They know that God spoke to Moses. Otherwise, how would the waters part? They know that God spoke to Moses. Otherwise, how would the plagues come? They know that God spoke to, to Moses. Otherwise, how would man fall? But because of what they have heard in Canaan, 
because of the size of the people, they got intimidated and they are ready to go back to bondage because these fellows are smaller than the Egyptian can extend mercy even though they are slaves. They, are, they can understand the mercy of their enslaving masters of Egypt than the victory that they should and could have over any man set before them considering that God had given them victory. Selah. Ponder on it. Think about it. And then he brought me to the thought of how many people easily give up when calamity comes. Do you know there are people who just easily give up? They're just married. And then something small happens. And then the guy says, you know, I don't think I, sh- I was supposed to marry you. I don't think we should continue in this marriage. You've just given up just like that. Don't pack your bags yet. That's why I tell couples eh, in counseling, I tell them, regardless of how mad and annoyed you are when you're in marriage, never threaten to leave. Threaten anything, but never threaten to leave. Threaten what? Anything. I always tell couples in marriage counseling, now I've stolen for you books, for those of you who who are yet to come. That one, we shall skip it. I told them, threaten anything but never threaten to give up on your marriage because when that seed enters your spouse when it sinks in them that he can leave she can leave if they are not stable they start to build a wall around their heart around themselves to protect themselves and anticipate that day. And once a man starts preparing themselves indirectly and unintentionally about it, you've opened the door. You have opened the door. Praise God. You've opened the door. Never threaten. Even if you're doing businesses, don't threaten to come out of something you know God has. That's why I ask people, how come people out of emotion, change their mind about a commitment that they say God told them. I I don't get it. God told you to enter that marriage. You spoke and committed. God told you to sit in that ministry and then something messes up your emotions and you just, you get it. Why do people play with God? Why do people take God so lightly and esteem him lightly? Your word should be your word. If you say I'm in this, I'm in this. Be funny, yes, but I'm in it. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? You're as good as your word. Tell your neighbor you're as good as your word. Yes, you might find funny things in there, but stick in there. Allow God to fight battles for you. Somebody shout hallelujah. But you don't draw back. Never threaten. Never threaten. Never threaten. Don't ever do that. Praise God. So we have people who, everything, they're people, it's just their nature. When something becomes so hard for them to bear, they would rather set off the path of this resistance and return in the place they were in. Or even worse, even though they know that the end is better, many people cannot stand that. Do you know how many people have taken injection shots to die because they were not able to stand the pain, yet they were believing God for divine healing? Do you know how many people draw back to perdition do you know that some people give up when God is just about 
But they will never know because they gave up. The devil always increases his woes on you when you're about to get to the place. Wake up and smell the coffee. You think it was supposed to be just straight like that? Uh-uh. He knows the kind of children you're going to have. He knows how dangerous they're going to be in this nation and the world across. Le miracle, stick on. Stand and believe God. Have a muscle, have a backbone that stands through storm and then you come out and say, I went through it. You have a word now. But there are people who simply just, they just draw back. Why? Because whether you know it or not know it, there is a price. There is, there is a heavy price in sticking on. But when you get to the end, it is all worth it. It's all worth it. I'll tell you a story. I went to Gombe says. So for us in Gombe, when you talk about cross country, right? When you talk about cross country, that we are going to run cross country, ours were very long. They were probably going to like, like 20 kilometers. It was long. It was far. It was very far. So in preparation of the cross country runs, there was a sort of prior preparation where people had to, you know, you have to train. Yeah, because on that day of competition, everybody runs. And so I remember the first day they said, how many of you do cross country? Lubega put up his hand. Why? Because I could run 100. I have speed in my legs. So me, I never used to know the difference between 100 and what? I was in senior one then. My head told me that I'm just going to maintain the same speed until I what? I reach. And plus, we are students. We are younger. We thought, ah, no. This is just something that is easy. Now, we are about 200 boys. And so they told us, start. So we went. Now, the cross country of Gombe says, you go down in the valleys, you find a stream, you drink water, you go up. Are you hearing me? <laughs> then as you're going up, you slope down on some trees and then you go through some creeks and then up there, then you find twining things, you find snakes, you know, you, you run, then you find jackfruit, fene. Then you look around and see like there were 20 guys behind, a guy moved with a knife already like he was anticipating, he cuts it like this, like there, when you're running, are you hearing me? And then you all divide the spoils and then you run and you're eating, you understand? That, that, that was cross country. Guys going there in the castrate center, like a small center there, they buy pork, then they run and they're eating meat, like it's liberation. And yeah, then by the time you get back to school. So, me in my head, firstly, I didn't even know how a kilometer goes. Two, we ran for about seven kilometers of the 20, right? And then one guy who was with me, he was called Sylvester, a guy stood, Kalahansi. He said, me, I'm going back. <laughs> With all this far that we have gone, me, I don't know. <laughs> that many more are coming. We have another 13 or so. Right? Now, this guy said, me, I'm going back. I looked at him so disappointed. How can you go back? How can you go back, eh? You have already done almost half of the week. told me, half? <laughs> Do you know where we are going? <laughs> now, this guy was in like, a, a, like two classes, one or two classes. I think he was probably in senior three. He said, me, I've run, I ran this thing last year. 
where we are going is very far. He said, I told him, but we have run for long. Now, me in my head, eh, of the seven we'd done, I thought we remained like with three kilometers. The guy told me, Mama, it is very far. My heart refused to believe him. I told him, no. I told him, but eh, I'm so disappointed in you. How can a guy give up? Yeah, I continue. We reached when prep was almost getting over. We even missed dinner. Mama, we ran, walked, sat, talked, stood up again, walked. They even had to send people back to say there are some boys <laughs> who have not returned. Man, I can't look for them. Guys came with torches looking for us. Gombe, Gombe. You understand? So by the time, towards the end of prep, we came back. Everything in me was dead. I bathed like this. Next morning, I entered class like this. The power of endurance. <laughs> When I'd reached about 70%, eh, I, everything in me was telling me, Sylvester was right. Sylvester was right. Sylvester was right. Hope sometimes it's better you don't know what's coming. Hello? Sometimes I think it's just better you just go. Ah, God knows. Hallelujah. Don't tell me what I'll find. But there are people who draw back when they see the journey is longer. When you become born again, you learn not to draw back. If you have decided to go for it, you what? If you have decided to believe God for the deal, it doesn't matter how many times it falls, you just what? Go. Praise God. Now, but in this instance, we see that many times some of us, our destinies are frustrated. They are thrashed and thwarted to the ground because we fear the giants. We fear the big boys. Now I'm talking about the fear of people. Proverbs 29-23. It says that the fear of men ensnares. It ensnares. When you fear a man who is set against the course of the word and truth, you ensnare yourself. You know many times we talk about the snares of this, the snares of that, the snares of this, but many of us do not know that men, the fear of men also ensnares. Newsflash, it does. What am I trying to tell you? If you know that you are of God and you're called in the course of God and the instruction and the word of God has come clearly for you to pursue a particular course, don't be deceived. You will always find men bigger than you. You'll always find men stronger than you. You'll always find men mightier than you. You'll always find men more influential than you. You'll find men who are more intelligent than you. You'll find men who are more exposed than you. You'll find men who are more liberated than you. You'll find men who are more blessed than you. You'll find men who are more connected than you are. You'll find men who know their way around more than, than you are. You'll find men who are faster than you are. 
But if God has spoken, don't be intimidated by them. That is why when Joshua, the Bible says, and they said, let us return to Egypt. The Bible says Moses in the fifth verse, Numbers 14, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assemblies of the congregation and the children of Israel. They were very distraught. And the Bible says, and Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search, it is exceeding good. Joshua and Caleb are insisting. But these guys are telling guys, ah, don't be mistaken. These guys don't know what they're talking about. The guys who are there are big. And the Bible says, Joshua and Caleb said, If the Lord delight in us. Hey, underline that. Yes, you're going for that job, but if the Lord delight in you. Yes, your CV is less than the other. Your resume is shorter. And, 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 and it doesn't have much experience and counted on it than the fellow you're sitting next to. You go to an interview and then they say, carry all your education documentation. Then you reach on that interview and you sit down and then they see your documentation is in like this. Then another guy comes and sits. Very nice colon, putting on a more expensive suit and tie. For you, even in a Chardonnay system, hello, you just even smell him, he's smelling the latest Versace. Then he just goes out of his bag and gets out his resume this big, a CV. So, you're here for the interview as well? Yeah? Yeah, I am. Okay. So, where is your documents? They said, carry all your documents. And you see all you have and you're like, yeah, 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 I forgot it. I forgot my stuff. <laughs> then they come and then call the fellow first. Mr. Sendaola Richard. Goes, Excuse me, wish me luck. Guy goes in and you're like, sorry. And you're like. Then they interview him, and then he comes out, and then when he's on the door, you hear him laughing, oh, Jackson! <laughs> he's even laughing with the guys, as he goes out, you're like, hey, he even knows the guys. Then he goes, yeah, 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 why work with those guys in my former workplace? <laughs> anyway, man, I wish you luck. <laughs> then they call you in. Joshua, a hardware. You enter. Please have a seat. We are tired. You know we've been into... <sighs> please sit down. Can we look at your documents, please? <laughs> I said, can we look at your documents? Is that all? Then you say, yeah. Then you hear a woman chuckle like... Hmm. Some people say, it was nice knowing you. He walks out. <laughs> like, it's obvious. Then probably some of you, you stick on and then they interview you. After the interview, they say, thank you. Then you tell them, are there any questions? Says, no, we don't have any questions. What about me? Can I ask? No, you don't need to ask. It's okay. We shall call you. Then you go out with this whole sullen face of God. What did I, why did I even borrow money to come here? 
You understand? Then you look at your half iron shirt and then you then you come for Father on Thursday <laughs> or on Sunday morning and then you find Apostle Grace telling you, don't be afraid of them. <laughs> Woo, glory! <laughs> Praise God. But some of you are intimidated by people who have results. Someone passes, even just the cologne on them tells you, woman, don't enter. They look so well done. Hello. That confidence. They're like, eh, can I get this job? Praise God. Your, Your qualification is not these papers. (laughs) <laughs> the rest is not to the swift neither the battle to the strong neither bread to the men of skill are you listening to me but the bible says but time and chance the bible says that the sufficiency is not of us as of to think of anything of us but the sufficiency is of God who has made us able you saw yourself as a grasshopper no even if they have a big resume, you say, it's all right. I'll never forget a day I went to the, for an interview. And I remember I entered in the American embassy. There was a fellow. He had books this big. Then me, I had, <laughs> I had one envelope. Little small envelope, small letter, invitation, and my statement, that's it. It's a small envelope like this. Then a guy enters with this file of, even has this, he had a red tie. He enters and I'm like, wow. This was the American embassy. So I remember the guy got in. (laughs) You can tell when a man is denied. (laughs) Why? Because if you've been to the American embassy, Right? If you're given, there's a way your passport is given through and you're given a pink slip, right? And I was just direct on the door where the fellow was. I could see, I could sense. So the door is closed, the guy comes out and you could see they've rejected him. He just went straight in this whole disappointment of, he goes out. Then you find yourself saying, Rakatalaba. Jireketende. Sobro koyanda raba. But you know, the carnal man is telling you, now if they have just a man. With papers this big. What about me? Then I just find myself speaking in my heart. The Bible says in Psalms, ask ye of nations. America is just one of them. I'm moving the world in the mighty name of Jesus. So I get into the interview. Guy says, hey, how are you doing? Fine. Where are you going? Going for a conference. How long are you going to go there? He said, two, three weeks. Oh, that's good. Uh, so your pastor? He said, so who are going to live in church? I said, no, I have many pastors in church who can do the work. Oh, that's very good. Okay, come for your passport the next two days. He didn't even ask for my paperwork. I moved out and I said, Rakataraba. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? He didn't even ask to look at anything. But there's a man who went with. He told me, go pay. Pick your sleep. This fellow didn't pick a sleep. So I know they denied him. The rest. It's not. Don't be intimidated. Don't be what? Intimidated. Somebody shout hallelujah. You will always find men bigger. But you must know how you see yourself. 
You must know who you are in God. You must have a confidence. It does not matter how little. No. The Bible says in in Deuteronomy chapter 20 verses 1. It says when you go out to battle against your enemies and you see the horses and chariots and that the people are more than you. He tells you don't be afraid. Listen. And that the people are more than you. Don't be afraid. Somebody shout hallelujah of them. For the Lord thy God goes with thee which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when you come nigh unto the battle that the priests shall approach you and speak unto the people and shall say hear ye O Israel ye approach this day unto the battle against your enemies let not your hearts faint. Fear not and do not tremble neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight with you. To fight with you. Does he go with you to fight with you? Hey, does he go with you to fight with you? No. He goes with you like a spectator. He tells you, come and I show you how they are going to look like. Come and I show you how I fight. You stand there and he fights for you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, the Lord fights for me. Yes. The Bible says in Philippians, in no ways terrified of your adversaries. The NIV, on the NIV, says without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. Do you know what that means? It means don't ever be intimidated by anybody who is opposed against you if you know you're in the line of truth. Whether it's the highest offices in the land, whether the highest offices on the continent, whether the most powerful man on the face of the earth, if they are against the course of the word, look at them straight in the eye and tell them I'm more than a conqueror. By Christ who strengthens me. I repeat, unless a man is in line with truth and scripture, that one don't touch his anointed. You will die for nothing. But if you know that you are in line with truth and the word and that the man who is against you is in error and out of the course of truth, never threat regardless of what they have on you. Regardless of how much advantage they have over you, never be afraid. Why? You have a God who's ready to sit you there to spectate war, to spectate how he fights. Oh, and our God fights well. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, my God fights well. Tell him again, my God fights well and good. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's why in Revelation chapter 3 verse 7, he says he opens a door on your life that no man can shut. And when he closes it, no man can open. What am I trying to tell you? If God has said you're going to be a success, no man in the world can shut that door. No government in the world can shut that door. No political system in the world can shut that door. No economy can shut that door. No social system can shut that door. No words can shut that door. No social media can shut that door. No newspaper can shut that door. No preacher can shut that door. No hater can shut that door. If God said that I will make you, nobody can stop you. The Bible says, if the Lord be for you, who can be against you? Tell your neighbor, I'm confident of this very thing. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm confident of this very thing. That the Lord began this work in me. 
and he will see to accomplishment to the day of Christ and no man shall stand in my way it does not matter what I have yet in my first job I used to work in Chukubo it's the busiest place in Kampala guys are passing they are carrying stuff they are floating fast fast with their niggas some of them are pushing trolleys you know it's very busy very very busy they're calling you, boss, boss, come and buy. So my first business was, I used to sit in Chikubo, down central. Now, there was a fellow, in Chikubo there are all kinds of businesses, there are all kinds of shops, big shops, small shops. They sell really daily merchandise, basic amenities for the home. Sugar, soap, blue band, you know, that's margarine, um, butter, bread, biscuits, uh, gum. So that's where the wholesalers are. That's where the wholesalers are of every, almost all the shops that now buy to go up country and then sell in their little small shops as retail. So all the stuff reaches there. So you're always offloading huge, huge cars now, huge buildings. Now, now, there was a guy there, he had a shop. It was like from here. Hmm? Then it comes like that. Then it comes like this. And then comes here. It was like a generator cage, the small generator. It was like this. It was very small. It was probably... Two and a half meters, two and a half meters square. Now, a 20 foot container fellow comes and he wants to offload. And guess what? He just, and because in Chukubo the road is small and you need to create space, the guy packed on the guy's shop here like this. The small shop, he literally closed it. Why? Because he was a rich guy with 20 foot container. And ready to offload. And you know offloading a 20-foot container could take hours. Two, three hours. So as the guy was parking, this guy comes out of his shop and says, Hey, hey. The driver looks at him. He goes back into his, his shop. Second time. This is, hey. He didn't speak. He goes back. This guy parks even comes out. Third time. When he realizes that this guy didn't get it. He goes across behind the car and gets to him and holds him like this and says, wait, look at my shop. I am big. I am so big. This 20-foot container can't fit in here. Go! Now, if you saw the... Oh my God, the guy had face. If you saw the size of the shop... He said it regarding sense and kaduka ka okale ka no ka to nendi mudana jawe chimoro ka cho chitwale The guy of the 20 foot container got his car drove off and I got a message <laughs> This guy the size of his weight was not on the size of the sofa his spirit was big he knew that inside there there was a very very big business in his soul there was a very very big business in his spirit that is how you treat it. Even when you go among the most intelligent, no, you're more intelligent. Hallelujah. Even if they have master's degrees, even if they have PhDs, for you, you have Ramba Kose, Branda Zakara. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. You, you have what created the PhD. You have what created the masters. You know all things. You have an unction from on high. Don't be intimidated by people. Praise God, somebody. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. Even when you enter a meeting, enter with confidence. Even when you enter a discussion, enter discussion with confidence. Humble but confident. If they speak what you don't know, actually, yeah, 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 it's all right. In your heart, you know you also know stuff they don't know. Praise God. You know God. You know the power of his resurrection. You know the name of Jesus Christ. You know the God that separates the seas and levels the mountains. You know the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Oh! You don't be intimidated. You go with confidence. The rest is not to the swift. The rest is not to the swift. The world surprises. Don't be intimidated by them. You have God. Sharababa. Hey, seketerebe. Rabazakatarere. I might not be as well educated as you are but I have God. I might not be as connected as you are, but I have God. I might not be as influential as you are, but I have God. I might not have guns, but I have God. I might not have walls, but I have God. I might not have a car, but I have God. Come on, somebody, raise your voice and talk to God. Say, Father, my success, wherever I go, I cannot fail and I will not be intimidated and ensnared by the giants ahead of me. I'll enter this deal like a child of God. I'll do this career like a child of God. I'll preach this gospel like a child of God. I don't care where you are. Listen. Listen. Some of you sometimes ask yourselves, why do they have problems with people like Fanero? It is because we don't look it. They expected reference and bishops who have gone in theological seminars with master's degrees and doctorates in running ministry but oh God <laughs> oh God tell your neighbor but God but God they expected big boys they expected people me I did not know the biggest pastors I was not a friend to the biggest apostles I didn't hold the bibles of the greatest men of God in the country I was not raised under the biggest ministry that I had an example no but God hallelujah and that is what's going to happen in your life you're about to enter doors that no man can enter you're about to enter things that don't fit your age they don't fit your size they don't fit your education they don't fit your connection they don't fit where you live they don't fit the house you sleep in they don't fit you that is God I say that is God he has a way to surprise May you surprise your adversaries. May you surprise.
surprise those that hate you. May you surprise those that despise you. May you surprise those that abandoned you in the mighty name of Jesus. Put up your hands, everyone. Now, I don't care whether you didn't even have a meal last night. I don't care whether you don't even know whether you're going to pay rent this month. I don't care whether you don't have the connections and you don't know apostle so and evangelist so and prophet so and bishop so. The God I'm talking about does not need those connections. When he comes in contact with you, oh, this is what the Lord told me. And now as a priest, I stand before you to proclaim this prophetic word. The Lord said, tell my people that I am about to take you higher than those you think were bigger than you. I'm about to promote you to places higher than those you thought were wiser than you. I'm about to put a light on your life and it is going to shine brighter than those who you thought were more intelligent than you. You're going to look back in one year and two years and you'll be richer than them, greater than them, more influential than them, more connected by them. You will not need to need to seek for connection. I will connect you myself. You'll not need to seek for friendships. I will bring the friends you need. In the name of Jesus, God is about to put something on your life this morning that is going to bless you before people and God is going to raise you up above them, raise you above their education, raise you above their ability, raise you above their connections, raise you above their influence. Your star is going to shine so bright that those that look like giants shall be like bread. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Now I want you to give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Clap your hands to Jesus like you know what he has done. Celebrate to God because he has elevated you beyond what men thought. They are going to look at you and say, we never knew that this was in you. We never knew that you were able. We never knew that you had a sufficiency. God is going to raise you to a place where even if they hate you, they can't touch you. Even if they oppose you, they can't reach you. God is going to surprise you. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you heard this message tonight and say, you know what? I want to receive him. Jesus loves you. I want to give you an opportunity. If you're there and you say, you know what? I feel I need. I feel God is drawing somebody to this. I feel God is drawing someone to receive Jesus Christ tonight. The gospel has been a sweet smell to you and you feel him draw you to glory and virtue. Repeat these words after me. Say Lord Jesus I have heard you. I heed to your word. Right now I believe in my heart that you died and rose again and I confess 
that you are Lord and Savior of my life. I'm born again. Amen.